Hi, I'm Dale Sherbeck, and welcome to the HQ, a CHA Learning and Healthcare Can podcast serial where we dive into healthcare issues and topics from the perspective of its people and discuss them with those that are leading in the health system. Together, we'll try to unpack these topics and learn what actions are being taken to innovatively solve them today. In this episode, we will continue to explore the very broad topic of equity, diversity, inclusion, and accessibility, and as it applies to Indigenous and First Nations peoples. According to Canada's census, roughly 5% of Canadians self-identify as Indigenous. But in some parts of a country, like our North, the percentage of Indigenous people are considerably higher, like 25% in the Yukon, or double and triple that in the NWT and Nunavut, respectively. So what does healthcare look like to Indigenous people in those territories, let alone the rest of Canada? What does a First Nations person experience with the health system? Do they see 25% of the people working in healthcare look like themselves? Why not? Why does this matter? Or how about the more burning question, how do we collectively fix this inequality in representation? The Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada's final report makes it clear that an equitable health system is paramount to reconciliation and healing in this country where tens of thousands of Indigenous people and many more through intergenerational legacies have been harmed by the residential school system. And yet many more have been harmed and discriminated through our other publicly funded institutions like our universal health system, which has ostensibly been designed to provide care and access to all those in need. Certainly the stories of people like Joyce Akeshawan or Brian Sinclair are testaments of the worst failings of our health system, and they leave many Canadians, myself included, ashamed and demanding change. And in our current context, where we have an unparalleled shortage of healthcare professionals, and yet Indigenous people remain the fastest growing population in Canada, there seems to be both a massive problem and unquestionable opportunity in front of us. And most healthcare organizations are struggling with this and looking for ideas. The good news is that there are innovative leaders like my guest today, Laura Salmon, who are tackling this issue. And it shouldn't surprise you that these innovations aren't coming out of our biggest municipalities or provinces, but rather where strategies and initiatives are happening in one of our smallest territories where Yukon Hospitals is making decolonization a priority. Laura Salmon started her professional career in nutrition when she moved to the Yukon over 20 years ago. She has been the director for First Nations Health Programs since 2013 and oversees a wide variety of Yukon Hospital's programs and services for Indigenous patients. Through her role, she is accountable for ensuring that the holistic health needs of self-identified patients are met by Yukon Hospitals. She also contributes to the planning and direction of corporate initiatives like Indigenization, transforming spaces, services, policies, and programs with a focus on youth and the future of healthcare. Originally from the Nakatzeli Wutan First Nation in BC, she is now a seasoned Yukoner and enjoys the changing seasons. She makes the most of the long winter with skiing and long summer days with running and cycling. Hi, Laura, and welcome to the HQ. So great to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Dale. Thank you. It's a privilege. Um, and thank you for joining to have this uh, conversation about a topic that's really, really important, I think, to all Canadians. So. I don't pretend to know or be able to share the experience of being an Indigenous person in Canada. Uh, the TRC certainly directed several recommendations at healthcare, including that it increased the number of Aboriginal professionals working in the healthcare field. So I'm wondering if we can start the conversation today by discussing why underrepresentation is an issue and how it looks and feels to be an Indigenous person trying to navigate the health system. Yeah, it's interesting that you, um, you talk about the TRC and so um, so happy to have the calls of action kind of guide the practices of organizations like ours. Um, but our program has been around for 25, like almost 30 years. So a lot of what we were doing really predated um, the calls to action. And we use the calls to action now to kind of act as a guidepost and see if we're on the right direction. And then just, you know, it's just pr provides a great um, way of framing and talking about what we should be continuing to do as an organization. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the work, um, the workforce for us has been one of the, the earliest mandates of First Nations health programs when we were established over, uh, you know, in the early 90s. Um, 
you know, it was recognized then that um, we needed to have more of our people um, working at the hospital at all different levels. Um, and it was even articulated in some of the, um, the early agreements um, that drove our program coming to be that this would be a you know, main part of, of what we would do as a First Nations health programs. Um, when we got going, we uh, really developed the programs and services, our navigator positions, doing a lot of advocacy. Um, the cultural programs got up and running with traditional food and traditional medicine and mm-hmm. um, you know, interpretation services. So we, we were growing and building our program. And uh, you know, employment equity, I'm using air quotes, was um, you know, how our mandate was um, framed. We, we weren't very active in that area, and yet we knew it was something that um, we needed to work on for all these years. The experience of uh, First Nations people that come to the hospital um, is, is often poor. Um, it, you know, their experience um, in being in the institutional environment we know is um, causes them to avoid seeking care um, mm-hmm. oftentimes, either from the treatment, um, from the environment or from the interactions with, um, with the service providers. And, and that has, you know, longstanding impacts on, on health. Um, yeah, so we really wanted to start putting our money where our mouth was and, um, you know, carve out some resources from our program dollars and, uh, yeah, do some very, proactive programming. Yeah, so I think it's a good sort of point that, you know, you've been doing this for 30 years, or not you, but you're the, the organization. Um, and so, yeah, it probably does speak to part of the reason that uh, Yukon is so much further ahead in some respects than other parts of the country, too, um, that are coming to this as mandated by the TRC or other kinds of legislation. Um, so, Maybe for those that maybe don't, you know, think it, maybe think it's obvious in terms of what needs to be done, you um, know, or maybe haven't stopped to really think about the problem. Why is it not just as simple as just saying, let's go hire more Indigenous people? <laughs> if, if only, if only it was it was that simple, um, and we and we know the um, the the failure or the lack of progress um, in a lot of areas, jurisdictions, different levels of government, you know, health regions, um, you know, simply working on that, you know, downstream end of perhaps creating quotas, um, creating policies around, um, you know, preferential hire and whatnot. Uh, those are great. We all want to work towards having those kinds of things in place um, um, because they have their, they do have their place. Um, but really looking, you know, a generation in advance, really looking very upstream um, and creating the pathways towards working at um, working in health is really what needs to happen. And, and we've known that for a long time. And so that's why we're trying to be really disciplined about um, shifting a lot of our, our energy and making sure we're really prioritizing our focus on youth. Um, youth, it's um, just a really um, important principle as they're the future of, um, they are the future and certainly we should be looking to them as the future of healthcare. And, and so the upstream approaches doesn't, necessarily mean, um, you know, even professional level training um, or, or training in health professions. Um, we're really getting down into the developmental levels of, of high school and, and even before then. So that's where, um, yeah, we, we've made some good progress in the last, the last couple of years in, in focusing on youth. So maybe before we start talking about the program in a bit more detail, what traditionally would be the barriers for youth, I guess, to get engaged at this sort of level or to think about healthcare as a, as a, a profession or occupation? Yeah, well, I think in the, in, in the early days, we, we had a sense and, and we we're diving into the, the literature and whatnot. And, um, 
and what resonated with us was um, some some writing and it, it came from the states and, and it's become a bit of our our motto but we what we see is the barriers are like no information no mm -hmm. exposure and no relationships and so we um We've used that as a bit of a framework to organize some of our activities so that we are um, making relationships with young people really the foundation of our programming. Um, any kind of exposure and, and creating links with the hospital environment um, and then the information and just making sure all you know the right information is out there around health careers and and those all those all work together um, in harmony. Um, but yeah, so those those three elements. Yeah, so I mean, it's yeah, breaking it down in terms of helping them to sort of be able to see and engage, I guess, with things that, you know, to, I guess, wet their imagination um, in terms of what's possible or to see people that they can relate to perhaps that work within the healthcare space or yeah. um, making demystifying the opportunities. Yeah, and and of course, just the, the you know the family and community experience in the past, and that and and that trickles down. So you have, um, yeah, just an overall mistrust with mm -hmm. health, science, organizations, um, and hospitals, and and that translates from one generation down um, to young people. And so that's what we're um, we're learning is that um, is often yeah where we're at in terms of working for the hospital you don't really want to you don't even contemplate working at a hospital if you don't even want to go there and get care <laughs> yeah it's it's a good point because I mean, there's a lot to unpack in that and it's not just as simple as a, a career counselor coming into a school and saying hey did you ever think about being at this um right if you have all these other cultural baggage that comes with it right that makes that even an impossible thing to even want to imagine it, I, mm -hmm. I suspect so mm -hmm. absolutely um so maybe we could start talking a, a little bit about what the your upstream approach is and, and what what it entails and and how do you engage with the youth in this way Sure. Um, well, as we started to focus more on on our Indigenous workforce initiative, we wanted to focus on upstream and we wanted to create those opportunities and exposure. So an internship seemed like a, a model that could potentially work and we wanted and we um, did some trial and error and, and set things up as a bit of a, a pilot. We know when we're improving um, healthcare, we wanna do things, small tests of change and see yeah. how it goes and, and whatnot. So we wanted to take definitely that improvement approach, um, but we wanted to create paid positions, um, funded paid positions so that um, youth could work in, um, within the hospital environment, uh, creating a safe environment as possible and giving them um, as much or little personal and professional development as, uh, as they needed as individuals. So working with every person um, individually to, uh, to see where they were at and, um, and go from there. So we've, so our internship program has started off small and, and we feel like maintaining it as something quite um, manageable and means two uh, about six interns per year mm -hmm. on a bit of a rotating basis so that we have some some overlap and we have peer support with having uh, two at a time and they start in a you know entry-level position we created a, a an actual position for for interns Fortunately, we have a really nice um, home base and safe starting point for our interns because of the existence of First Nations health programs within the hospital. We have an office. We have lots of um, mentors and positive role models of mm -hmm. Indigenous people working in the hospital um, and you know, working as, as professionals in the environment. And so, so we're really fortunate to have that. And so as we work on, again, individualized personal and professional development, um, we start to look for areas that they can move into in other parts of the hospital. Um, so working with, with managers and departments, along with the interests of the inter interns themselves, um, to see where they might want to, what 
try out and what other areas of the hospital they could see and um, meet some people and just, you know, be involved. So we've, um, so they've been all over all the hospital and various departments um, working on kind of extended placements in those areas. Hmm. And then as the internship moves along, um, what we're really looking for is uh, reaching our, our, our ultimate goals, which are to have them be you know, working in, in an area of the hospital, finding finding the work that um, that they would like to to do and join our team, or uh, go back to school and you know advance their training in health careers, mm-hmm. and or actually, and this is what we heard from Yukon First Nations themselves is uh, maybe they want to come back with increased um, skills and experience and ability to work for their First Nations governments. Um, you know, it's all well and good to have all our, our corporations um, inc- attract and increase Indigenous people, but strengthening the workforce in our First Nations um, health departments and, and governments is, is equally as important, helps strengthen the whole fabric of our, of our territory. So yeah, so we just work toward those, those goals. And, um, and it's, it's been really fulfilling to see um, as you know, we started out not sure what to expect and, and what kind of outcomes we might achieve. I think we're um, so happy to have, uh, it's been mutual learning from, uh, you know, teaching and providing these opportunities to the young people, but what they teach us is just as much, if not more important. Sure, if they bring context and real experiences that you're trying to serve to. Um, uh, just maybe just to make it clear. So when you're talking about youth, I mean, how how youthful are these these uh, interns that are coming into your programs? Well, we we have our our age range, and the age range is is quite broad, as is typical in um, you know some of these indigenous programs, and it aligns with um, actually where we get some of our funding um, to to meet the criteria for um, our partner organizations you know, so it goes up to 35, but we've really tended to um, work in, you know, from 16 um, Mm -hmm. into the um, 20-ish range where um, we have some graduates who are uh, maybe not in school and have maybe been contemplating what the next steps are for a little while. Um, Yeah, so that's the, that's the range. And, and of course, the the experience and needs of each of, you know, for whatever, um, for each intern can be very, very different. So not having been really exposed to a work environment at all. And there's, and there's so much neat things, uh, so many neat things to teach and, um, expose them to with that, just not being intimidated by, adults (laughs) um you know working with with machines and phones um speaking confidently um in your role as a as a peer as a as a worker working with with patients and families um so there's so much to learn um just the things that we take for granted sometimes that you might have received in in school or from your family or community um you know, working with with a boss and managing expectations and keeping a keeping a to do list. Um, how to call when you're you're not going to be in, and and what are the the best ways to go about doing that? And uh, yeah, it's it's been really neat to just hear the perspectives of where interns were before the internship and and what their thoughts were about the work environment and the hospitals. Um, and and kind of what they learn throughout the throughout the experience. Uh, yeah, it's it's really neat. I want to I want to read one little little snippet. One of our interns said, before the internship, she thought hospitals were a bit depressing, smelly, and full of uptight hospital doctors and nurses. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, which is yeah, um, so wise. And and knowing that afterwards you know, they see that there's so much more than nurses and doctors. They can name, um, you know, multiple departments for which we have dozens, um, so many different kinds of health professionals and administrators and um, support people that all work 
as a team to um, take care take care of people. So um, yeah, it's been really fulfilling. Yeah, it, it, and I think it, coming back to one of your points that the earlier in the conversation, it, it's about then developing those relationships, right? That then create the capacity for understanding and and empathy, perhaps on on both sides and of the the relationship. And the relationship relationship building actually starts when I was saying, you know, our upstream approach, even for the, the development and recruitment for the interns, that relationship building is really important. So some of our outreach activities um, have been to to be in in schools and be in um, part of programs where we can we can talk about the internship and what's happening at the hospitals and what initiatives we're, we're working on. And we find that um, that's been really important. It's, you can have, you can create a job and you can create an internship and just post in all the traditional ways and um, try to see who might apply, but um, you might not have that much success um, because you, you need to have those those relationships. Uh, young people really relate to having um, yeah a relatable human that they they know and they can mm -hmm. put a face to a name and um, be able to call someone up and and say hey um, about that internship you were talking about um, I think I might want to apply and how, how how does that go so. Um, we, we've gone beyond what a traditional, you know, HR posting and um, job promotion um, process would look like to just really being out there um, on the land as part of camps in some cases in, in the classroom um, and not just um, traditional classrooms, but some of the alternative um, programming and have had great success. We've, we've gone from having, you know, kind of handful of applicants on our first round or cohort to having over 50 in the most recent. So that really speaks to um, just the awareness out there that, uh, you know, the hospital is part of the larger community that's, uh, yeah, really working on um, Indigenous programming. But um, I think that's the amazing. word travels about, you know, it being a good experience for the interns as well. Uh, yeah, it is amazing. Um, I guess I'm sort of reflecting on some of what you're saying too, and just maybe like we we do hear, I think, in, in our larger sort of social conversations, right, about this the way our institutions are are set up, right, that they create institutional models of discrimination, or even if it's not explicit racism, but certainly of discrimination, and, and they create barriers uh, to, for access, and that what I'm hearing from your program is that it it creates it's a bridge or or perhaps it's even a way of taking you know bringing recruitment to where people are and, and where they and how they how they interact with the world and making it easier for them to engage in that respect because I guess what I'm what I'm sort of thinking is that our traditional uh white i guess um models for recruitment and you know how to get a job right are barriers if that's not part of your own personal culture and so you're breaking that down in some respects is that does that resonate or am mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and i think the other value i think is uh um reciprocity or sharing kind of a two-way two-way exchange so um we know it's not enough you know, just to, you know, ask people to apply and, um, and come join our, join our team. Um, yeah, we just want to make sure that, that we're giving back as well. Um, we're a small, we're a small organization and there's, there's so much work to do and we can't, we can't just be focusing on one thing at a time. So uh, one thing, one thing that we've had some success with um, in our outreach is to join with other partners that are um, kind of youth in youth serving organizations or other um, you know first nations and whatnot and joining what it is that they're they're doing um, in programming with youth and, and kind of jumping on board and we've facilitated multiple 
health advocacy mm-hmm. type programming and 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 we don't call it that we just say how to um you know help out um, your family when they're in the hospital so it's kind of like a um providing some some knowledge and some skills around what happens when your folks go to the to the hospital um what can you do to help make the um, journey easier how can you um what are your rights? Uh, what are the rights and responsibilities of, of patients versus of health providers? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how can you advocate if you feel like things are um, maybe not going the way you think they should, or you're not being heard? Um, and so these are things that um, you know young people wouldn't have you know really heard much about. And to have a kind of a youngish, engaging facilitator from our team. Um, really connect with them on their their level and and show that they can play a role and they can be a positive um, force in health regardless if they join our team or um, apply for the internship Um, they would have had um, heard about uh, yeah what role they can play and be um, yeah speaking positively about health um, yeah in their community yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, you, you're building some health literacy in that respect and, um, and navigation skills, which they can bring back to their, um, their family members or others in the community that, um, yeah, and this amazing trickle down effect of impacting one person and, and then impacting through them, right, dozens of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just knowing that, uh, you know, several interns have um, reflected on their experience um, during the internship and have have learned that it can be a safe place. And um, if you kind of know your way around and you can gain the supports of, uh, you know, First Nations health programs or other allies within the organization, it can can be a good experience and people shouldn't shy away from getting getting care. And so they um, one intern wrote, I, I will implore to all my family to um, go to the hospital if they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, um, whereas, you know, that might not have been the case before. And I think they'll just be that much more likely to access um, healthcare themselves and have, have some skills in how to do that. And, um, and maybe know a few of us who are, are working here and, and feel that it's a safe, um, safe place. So how many, how long have you been running the program and like how many people have come through the program so far? Um, It's only been six and we'll be recruiting for the next round um, here in the fall. And um, it, you know, we, we initially thought we might try with eight and, and we were successful in working with partners to see that there was some wage subsidy and whatnot. So mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't that we couldn't afford to do it, but um, where we really didn't want to, what we didn't want to risk is not being able to invest in enough um, time and energy and attention in each individual intern, uh, and also have just really um, good matches for for where they can. Um, move to within the organization. So in, in fact, we have a lot of amazing um, internal partners in different departments, um, you know, strong leaders who are, are willing and able to take interns. Um, and, and First Nations Health Programs has the, the space and ability. We just want to make sure that we can just treat every intern um, like they're um, special and give them the most support possible. So it's been um, six, and we're really happy that uh, half of them have decided to go back to school to go into health careers that they weren't previously considering. So um, nursing, social, uh, nursing and social work mm-hmm. in particular. And we have um, a couple that got jobs um, within the hospital working in, um, in people service um, oriented roles. So yeah that's a great outcome and um 
and during the internship, we had a couple of interns that hadn't um, completed high school on, you know, the typical schedule who we supported in just, you know, working through the remaining pieces um, and celebrated their graduations <laughs> along with them. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been really, really great um, to, to work and get to know and uh, support these support these young people. Yeah, I think it'd be very profound, right, to have those kinds of mentorship opportunities that just sort of help um, inspire, you know, in terms of what the value of the education is, what the possibilities are to, yeah, to remove some of those anxieties about um, these big behemoths of organizations that they have you know, heard about for years or right, generations that have been scary places and that can be healing places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, what is your mandate or goal for your programs in terms of, you know, where, where do you end up going from here? Or, uh, when are you successful? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. We did set up the internship as a, as a pilot and we wanted to just roll through it and, and be learning and tweaking it as we go along mm -hmm. and have made, made some changes. Um, but our, um, our goal is to, um, make a case for making it a, um, permanent part of, uh, the organization and, and we're really close to being able to do that. I think the evidence um, in the early stages really speaks to itself that it is successful and that we have achieved uh, what, we, what we set out to do. And I think we'll just continue providing these opportunities. Now, the, the youth internship is just really one part of our larger Indigenous workforce initiative. So there's mm -hmm. um, all kinds of other behind the scenes, like a very long um, list of... Uh, um, activities to achieve, you know, our larger objectives of having a representative workforce. So here in Yukon, 25% of Yukoners self-identify as First Nations Inuit and Métis. And of course, the, the hospital should, should reflect that. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a ways to go. <laughs> <laughs> not not yeah. quite there, not quite there. And, and, um, so as much as you say, you know, these, these initiatives, they, um, they take a long time. Um, it's hard to really see very noticeable change. It, you know, it can take a generation. Yes, but you can't wait a generation. Mm -hmm. um, back when I um, was speaking about the early mandate, uh, you know, back in the early 90s, uh, there was visions of seeing a representative workforce within 10 years. And it's 30, 30 years, 30 years later, um, you know, it, it's, it's not funny, but uh, we have this, um, this report from the very early days, and it was from 1992, and we call it the typewriter report, because <laughs> it feels like it predated computers, even where it had laid out what really needed to happen. And uh, a lot of the recommendations are really relevant today and and we're um, trying to breathe life into them you know this idea of upstream and multi um layer kind of initiative so um we, st we still want to work with our policy team um, and work on hr policies we want to work on um you know, education and training. We know that, you know, cultural safety initiatives kind of have to work alongside uh, workforce development um, because without one, um, you know, the other one's really at risk. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there's, there's quite a lot we want to do, but for interns, we just want to um, just continue and, and take our current interns and create opportunities for them to be the, the, the leaders of the future in the program as well to take their experiences and what they've learned and act as the the peer mentors for uh for future interns so that's something we're looking forward to as well yeah well i think it's i mean it's being debated right across the country in all aspects in terms of how do we get right our education systems more involved in you know producing more healthcare professionals but i think it's in terms of how do you engage 
um, Indigenous First Nations people in that particular conversation, right? The, I think what you're describing is that it requires specific tactics and intentions to sort of enable that to happen. Um, what do you think is, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but really, but why is it taking this long for this to start to happen? You know, and really, it's maybe the more the question is, what did change that's made this happen impossible? What what was that enabler? We had the mandate for 30 years and, and we dabbled. We we did do some small activities that um, here and there offering, um, you know, a summer placement or um, working on partnerships with the university to place social work students. And mm -hmm. so there's been a number of things um, over the years, but it, it's never really been as, as comprehensive as um, well, I think it, it probably was just an improvement approach. Um, you know, in, in healthcare, sometimes we run around and we try to do all kinds of things and, um, you know, stretch our, ourselves pretty thin among mm -hmm. lots of initiatives and don't always have, um, you know, all the ingredients we need to make them a success. And we know in the, you know, healthcare improvement world that if you don't have all those uh, ingredients in place, you, you risk having, um, yeah, initiatives, you know, improvements kind of flop yeah. and, and that just you know <laughs> perpetuates you know the um the risk of not having positive change in the future so i'd say that's just you know starting from the ground up and um making sure there was some some readiness and bringing the right people together um being really clear with what it is that we were trying to achieve, you know, understanding the problem first and what problem we were trying to solve. So, and then researching um, the right solutions and which ones might be actually addressing the problem we were trying to solve. Um, but I think we were also really guided by um, principles of indigenization as well as something um, we really wanted to try to increasingly um, understand and adopt as a corporation and, and and the principles are looking to the future and um, respecting and um, involving youth um, and I think we were also guided and um, some of the drivers were just the the, the cultural values as well and what we hear from our elders and from our um, community people is um, this is where you need to invest. We, we do hear a lot about um, elders and the importance of elder involvement and, mm -hmm. and having them be just a part of the work we do. And, and we certainly do that within our, within our program, um, but, but more and more, um, you know, the, the teachings are, you know, you have an elder and you have a youth. And so um, we wanted to see that there was always that balance and always that, um, yeah, that we were upholding that principle as well. Is that working through the First Nations health programs is where the elders are sort of embedded in, in working as part of that? Or is it, or is it, are they coming with the, the youth themselves or? No, that's just, um, they're just a part of our, um, part of our program. Uh, and have been from from the early days um, very active in the um, starting our program in the mm -hmm. early days um, you know periodically and and helping us keep our cultural programs and protocols um, on track and then they are available for some of the you know the patient care work we do so um, elder support can be supporting our staff or supporting patients in a in a cultural way so, so they form a kind of an advisory then to the to the work that you're doing or um yeah yeah like in a formal sort of structure i guess i'm trying to imagine whether um because we talk about um you know in other parts of the health system involving you know patients and families as as um uh, as partners right in the work that we're doing and whether that describes what you're talking about or is it a bit different because of a, a different sense of ownership in terms of the the relationship there as well yeah we have had uh you know there you know there's some unique and um unique features of our governance mm -hmm. um our 
you know, our governance of the hospitals that includes um, designated First Nations representatives on the um, on the board and mm -hmm. uh, and a subcommittee with delegated authority to oversee First Nations health, as well as um, you know, drive system wide um, response to First Nations issues. And within First Nations health programs, we have had elders advisory groups in different forms over over the almost. 30 years and do call upon them to um, be advisors as individuals, mm -hmm. small groups, um, or uh, more formal groups that are convened for specific initiatives. So um, it is kind of a day-to-day -day advisory role when it comes to um, the provision of traditional medicine to an individual patient. And, you know, that needs to be done um, you know, in a, in a way that respects, um, you know, healing and cultural protocols, um, or it might be looking at a policy, um, you know, traditional food policy, in which case we convene, um, you know, elders that have those certain specialties. So we know um, we have, we want to have some regional representation, um, language, you know, there's, you know, eight different language groups in the territory. So that um, might be something we need to consider if we're looking at language um, initiatives. Um, there's there's experts in traditional food. There's some that we might call upon for more ceremonial purposes and whatnot. Um, but um, it's a great benefit for the interns to be able to be part of First Nations Health Program and have that resource available to them as well. Yeah, I, and then I, I guess I'm, I'm also, I guess, taking from that is like, that is one of the benefits of representation, I guess, in some respects that you, these, you know, your, um, your population is represented on your boards in all these different spaces, which in themselves drives some of the thinking and the opportunities for innovation and, and doing things differently. So, and part of the reason I guess I, I, I say that or pointed out is because, you know, in the South right here, right, many of the other hospitals and health authorities, right, don't necessarily have that as a part of their, their, their governance or their structures. And I think so for those that may be thinking that they want to do something similar to what you're doing in the Yukon, I'm thinking, well, then how do they start, right? I mean, and it does seem to, you know, the, the use or the, the partnership with your elders and your communities is in a big part of how that happens. Yeah, um, it's interesting because we, um, we've been running, running the internship and we, and we're sometimes a little bit light on, um, you know, the communications and, and reaching out with lots of, um, you know, the success stories. We've done that um, in, in a few small ways. Um, and, and it gets, it's been picked up on by quite a few organizations that have learned about it because they are, um, yeah, grappling with how, how, how to do this and where do they start and, and what would be some of the ingredients for success. And, and so we do have those, those talks and conversations um, like this one and, and share and, and try to provide some advice, um, which usually includes a message around, you know, not too cookie cutter. You really have to look, you can mm -hmm. take some inspiration from what we're doing, um, but then really look at what your own context is and, and see how it might work there. Um, kind of sharing what some of the biggest risks are, um, which we also like to share is that you really have to be ready to, uh, like we have, just make sure that you have the resources to be able to support interns so that you're not, uh, yeah, just doing, just doing more harm or creating an unsafe environment or um, just perpetuating what they might have thought about the hospital in the first mm -hmm. place is bringing them into somewhere where it's quite intimidating. There's different power structures. They're not valued for what they bring. They're not offered the right amount of professional and personal development in order to succeed different things. So, we, you know, that's usually some of our, some of our messaging. And so it's, it's, great because I think there was, you know, a recent example of another government department who had, you know, talked to us and was very curious and wanted to learn about our internship program. And we shared generously with them. And we always kind of wonder like, oh, well, 
you know, a little bit pessimistic or skeptical about whether um, they'll actually do anything or whether what they'll set up is, is not necessarily going to achieve outcomes. Um, but we were really pleased to learn about an approach for, you know, this specific government department who had um, invested, they created a, you know, a specific position that seemed to have all the right, um, you know, have the, the role be really clear um, that, yeah, really looked like it was kind of set up for success. So, so sometimes we don't have a lot of time and energy to, to share our story or spread what we're doing, but when we do, sometimes it um, seems worth it. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I think it's, you know, every, every opportunity for change or influence is a, is a, you know, is a profound, you know, part of change, right? And that it's, um, yeah, I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. But I think that your, your, your advice, right, is, is still that, you know, other organizations that want to do something similar, right, still need to do it in partnership with their community, right? Uh, right, the First Nations, Indigenous people who they serve, and make sure that, um, you know, that they're involved in that to sort of keep them honest and, and successful along the way. But but I do think that maybe that you know maybe those other thirty years that you think that uh, you know you didn't get to all the goals maybe it did it did change or create opportunities that for the the work that you're doing now to be successful because um, people come into your hospital and and maybe aren't uh, seen entirely other or different and and there's a genuine desire for them to be successful. Yeah, I was going to say, um, say as well, there's a, another Indigenous organization in town and, and, you know, they're really interested in supporting, supporting youth and, and we, we collaborate with them and have taken a little bit of a different approach, whereas we've got few interns that we invest in quite heavily and, you know, they kind of went with a, you know, big bang kind of approach where it was going to be quite a few positions over the summer and um and have been reflecting on oh well you know we're kind of spread a little bit thin here um, because we do have so many interns and they all have their um different challenges and their um you know need different kinds of support and trying to mobilize that support and uh, and so that's been great learning and sharing on on how we're approaching it and and learning from from each other because mm -hmm. um, we do we do sometimes especially when um, we see that we can we can bring resources and we might be able to invest more in the interns uh, there is we do want to see more and more and bigger but we're really trying to be disciplined um, to keep it successful and and scale it and spread it um, at a at a rate that's that's not going to backfire um, in terms of you know creating poor experiences or doing harm at the worst in the worst case yeah your compassion I think and that is 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 very telling so um so what maybe before we sort of finish up here Laura just you know what is next for you in this space and you know do you, where do you see your programs moving or or your internship program um you know what's what's next in terms of this this drive to um, to find real meaningful representation within your organization. The next phase is to really start looking at because we will start growing, um, not maybe the the number of cohorts, the number of interns that we currently work with, but we will have developed a bit of an alumni mm -hmm. um, group, and we really want to focus some attention on keeping keeping in touch and keeping tabs. Um, on what, what they're up to, um, you know, from an evaluation perspective as well. Um, what kind of an influence do we have and what kind of long-term outcomes did we, um, did we have? How'd they, how'd they do in school and what were the challenges, barriers and, and, and learning um, from them so we might be able to do as much as we can during the internship um, opportunity, uh, yeah, to set them up for success. Um, but it's also just really, you know, we've, we have gotten to know and, and love these people. And so, <laughs> um, that they know that they have, 
they always have um, support um, people in us uh, as something we want to, um, yeah, just keep those relationships. So the alumni group, but then also just looking at the internship itself, and it's just an ongoing um, period of, of evaluation and reflecting on how we're doing. We want to see that um, we can use this group, either the alumni or the current interns, um, develop some confidence and some competencies and maybe, um, you know, speaking and being a voice um, for themselves, their experiences, um, speaking for families and communities so that we can enhance their role in um, being peoples with lived experience mm -hmm. to inform, you know, other initiatives. So we want to get some mental health um, infrastructure and programming going within, um, within the organization. And, and we know that youth are really highly impacted by mental health issues and um, there's all kinds of access barriers and um, various things. So we want to really do the, the planning, um, the planning right for those kinds of initiatives and it needs to include a youth voice. Um, so how can we set up um, some of these, these young people to be able to um, safely be a part of those initiatives. So kind of bridging the, bridging the, all of our, all of our work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's a great resource that to inform, like you say, your other work. So um, I think it's great. Um, and I think it would be interesting to see some of these these youth come back and be, themselves become, I guess, those mentors or other for others that are coming behind them um, to sort of follow in their footsteps and pay it forward or backwards or. Well, I've told them all they can they can come and have my job whenever you know they're whenever they're ready they can they just sit right here and be the director um, in the headquarters as we call it. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? It's uh, that succession planning at its best. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thank you very much, Laura, for sharing all of your work. Uh, if, if, if there's any other last words that you want to share before we uh, say goodbye, um, last words to you. Thank you. Well, I just think that the opportunity, um, I thank you for the opportunity. It's always great to just take the time to reflect and, and share. And I think I said it um, earlier, uh, we learned so much from the interns more than we could possibly, possibly teach them. And I think that's just a message for um, hopefully to inspire other, um, other people in the, in the sector to, yeah, Think about just everything everything they're doing and how a youth might be involved because it is such a rich and uh, yeah gratifying experience yeah well, nicely said and i hope that does inspire others to do the same i, I think the the opportunities around us all so there's i don't think there's anything to stop anyone from from trying to do something similar um, and to learn so thank you very much laura um wish you well and uh enjoy the rest of your summer Thank you. You okay. too. Take care. Bye now. You've been listening to the HQ, and I'm Dale Sherbeck, your host. You can find this and other future episodes on the CHA Learning website, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think, so please follow us on our other social media channels. Thanks for joining us in this discussion today. Please join us next time.